Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to another episode of Fantasy Football. Today we are reviewing a PPR mock draft after the NFL draft. We'll see where the rookies went. We'll see what other kind of shakeup there was. It's going to be a fun, spirited show today. Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Chris Towers. Chris thinks that Jamie took TJ Hawkinson too early. I think that Chris took Michael Thomas too early. Nobody has any beef with any of my picks. I did a terrific job. And more importantly, it's Shraggy B's birthday. So everybody wish Ben Schrager a happy birthday on Twitter or whatever in the Facebook group. Maybe we can get a post just about Shraggy B. Uh, that would be great. Happy birthday, Ben. How old are you? I think I know, but go ahead. I am 21. I'm drinking some whiskey no, right now. you're not 21, <laughs> but you're not far from 21. I'm 24. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. That is what I thought. I right, remember David? when I was 24. Happy I, birthday. I, I don't remember when I was Life's, 24. Life seems so full of possibilities. 24. It is. Man. And now we're here. I was, uh, I was living it up in New York City. No pandemic. Yeah, I'm living it up in Houston. Same yeah. thing, yeah. What are you going to do for your, for your birthday? Some barbecue tonight. Some brisket, some sausage. Celebrate Heath style. Excellent. Can't go wrong with barbecue. Excellent, man. All right, good stuff. Um, we'll hear from Ben later on in the show. And if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, uh, Ben puts up some awesome graphics during the show. So he'll, he'll actually be able to show the draft. And I'm I'm going to put a link in the episode description to the draft in, in the podcast. So if you're just listening to the podcast and you want to click the link, I'll put a link to the, ep- to the, uh, to the draft in the episode description. Let's go through some news items real quick here. And, um, Jamie, some offensive line news with uh, Charles Leno going to Washington, Bobby Massey going to Denver. Anything significant here? I mean, Leno's a good signing by the Washington football team, you know, just adding to uh, what should be a strength for them. Um, I I just love Washington's roster. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is anything close to what he was with the Dolphins, um, they're going to be a tough team to beat because that defense is going to be nasty. Uh, Skill players are in really good shape um at least their starters and uh the line is starting to look better and then in terms of massey obviously you know what happened to the broncos you know losing juan james so they're just trying to add depth to their offensive line and you know their line played pretty well last year without juan james so you know adding somebody like massey will will certainly help their depth at the right tackle spot you think washington's going to win the division again it's going to be tough you know because obviously a healthy dallas offense and i think the improvements that they made defensively um they're going to be tough to beat if Daniel Jones is any good, the Giants are going to be tough to beat. Uh, I think Philly's got probably the longest shot, to be honest with you. Um, you know, but if Jalen Hurts is good, they're going to be tough to beat. So uh, it's going to be a competitive division again, but I would give the edge to Washington just based on their roster. I, again, it comes down to Fitzpatrick. If Fitzpatrick is not a, a train wreck, which we know he's been at times, 
then they're going to be the best team in that division. Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is Ryan Fitzpatrick's never played poorly when people have high expectations. For <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to be an upgrade for them. He's also a little turnover prone. Um, but they had the third, according to Pro Football Focus, Washington had the third best pass blocking line in the NFL last year. Tenth best run blocking. Charles Leno uh, was Good in run blocking last year. He was the 61st best tackle in pass blocking, so that's not so good. Those are just PFF grades, but that's uh, that's where they stand. Chase Edmonds, Dave sent me an article about Chase Edmonds uh, gearing up for more work this year, said he wanted to make some improvements in the passing game, so he's hoping to be even better as a pass catcher. Green Bay is signing Blake Bortles. That doesn't mean that they're trading Aaron Rodgers. They just need some quarterback depth. And uh, Panay Sewell, Detroit's... First round pick, top 10 pick, number one tackle in the draft. He will miss rookie camp after testing positive for COVID. We are going to be live on the Fantasy Football Today YouTube channel on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern to answer all of your questions with the schedule out, with the NFL draft behind us, with dynasty drafts underway. It's going to be me, Dave, and Heath Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And Chris, actually. Oh. Oh. Did you know that, Chris? Sorry, Adam. (laughs) <laughs> it's not my fault. I was throwing the birthday boy under the bus here. Uh, I did not know that. And uh, it's be- blame, blame Ben. It's basically actually blame me because Heath got Tuesday off and I didn't realize. Oh, so it's so Dave it's and Chris. Me, Dave, and Chris. Oh, yeah. I'm really sorry, Adam. What a mess, bro. What a mess. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. Get your questions answered. So, what you want to do is subscribe to the channel. Turn the notifications on so you know exactly when we're live, and we will see you at youtube.com slash today Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Is that right, Ben? 7 p.m. on Tuesday? Did that change? That is correct. Okay, cool. Introductory questions for our mock draft. What was the best pick of the draft? Chris, you looked at the whole draft, you studied it, you memorized it. What was the best pick? Hmm, I think I like some of the like mid-round areas. I- I really like Kyle Pitts at uh, what is that 69th overall and Curtis Samuel at 70th overall. I like those two picks quite a bit. Hmm, interesting. Well, you're wrong because the best pick of the draft was Jamie's third pick, obviously. <laughs> Najee Harris going 30. Yes, third overall. Okay, yeah, that was that, so stupid. Uh, yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, that I, I have him as a top 15 player. So. Yeah, yeah. For those of you, if you're looking at this draft, just don't expect to get Najee Harris where where he went. But okay, Jamie, let's talk about Chris's other answers. Kyle Pitts, 69th. Curtis Samuel, I think it's 70th for Pitts and uh, 71st for for Samuel. Um, 10th and 11th in round six. Chris loved those picks. Did you? Um, I definitely like Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel was a good good pick. I think it was Jacob Gibbs, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, that drafted him. I'll check. Yep. Uh, where is it? It was. It was. Yeah. Jacob does a good job. So that was a, a good value pick by him. Uh, I mean, Pitts is a wild card. Obviously, if he's going to be, you know, the exception to what most rookie tight ends are, then it could be a steal in that spot. Um, I like Dallas Goddard better, you know, just with the uh, expectation that Zach Ertz is going to go and, and Goddard went after Pitts. So. In terms of you know just the tight end that I would prefer, I would prefer Goddard and Pitts to probably be flipped um, since Goddard went in round seven. But yeah, I mean if you're going to gamble on Pitts and, and certainly take the opportunity to try and be aggressive in drafting him, I just wonder if I don't know what Jacob had a tight end or not. Just looking at the draft board, 
because the only reason I say that is uh, I know Heath had a tight end at that point. Heath was the first pick in round seven and went after. So it went Will Brinson at, uh, with the 10th pick in the sixth round, which is where Pitts went. And then it was Jacob Heath, Heath, Jacob, Will. I wonder if Will could have played that a little better and maybe gotten Pitts in that spot. Oh, you mean Jacob could have played that better? No, Will. Will? Oh, Will should have taken Pitts. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Jacob waited to, to get Irv Smith late. Um, okay, so then he couldn't have done it. So, yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you like about Curtis Samuel there? And should he have gone ahead of the player who went right after him, Brandon Cooks? I think given the the questions around Deshaun Watson's status and how bad that passing game is likely to be if Deshaun Watson's not there, I, I do think Curtis Samuel's a better pick than Brandon Cooks. I do have Brandon Kirk. Cooks currently projected for better numbers. And if Deshaun Watson does play a full season, I think Brandon Cooks will be better. I would have him as a top 20 wide receiver. I just, I don't expect Deshaun Watson to play the whole season, certainly. And, you know, beyond that, I'm not sure. So I think Curtis Samuel is a better pick there. I'm working under the assumption that Washington is going to involve him in the running game the way Carolina did, just because he's such a, a uniquely skilled player. Why wouldn't they? Um, and I think he could be a very good fit playing with Fitzpatrick because he has shown the ability to be a downfield receiver. He's shown the ability to make plays in the short passing game. I think there's a chance he just takes a really big step forward. All right, Jamie, what was the best pick in the draft other than Najee Harris? Um, you know, just look, uh, looking at the, the next round, I, I guess the, just to tie in Curtis Samuel, I would have probably taken Tyler Boyd over Curtis Samuel, who went in round seven. Um, just with what his role is in Cincinnati's offense, and they're probably going to throw the ball a little bit more. So I like Tyler Boyd in round seven. Um, I like Dallas Goddard in round seven as well. Um, Noah Fant in round eight, Jerry Judy in round eight. You know, I actually was considering Jerry Judy where I took Jalen Waddell, but I already taken Cortland Sutton. And so unless you tell me Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Broncos, I'm not taking two Broncos receivers as starters. Um, as of now, I, I do love the upside of Judy, and I think Sutton's going to be back. But uh, the way that I built my team, I, I couldn't afford to take both Broncos guys. So um, Jerry Judy in round eight, I think, was a good pick as well. All right, guys. How about the worst picks? Chris, what was the worst pick of this draft? I mean, if I'm being honest, I really hated a lot of my picks. Picking from the 12th spot this year, <laughs> maybe I'll warm to it eventually, but... I took Miles Gaskins 36th overall, really not happy with that. I took uh, T.Y. Hilton at the start of the eighth round, was not thrilled with that. And I, I think Gaskin was probably, just because I forced myself to take a running back, I panicked. I wanted Chris Carson there. Once he was gone, I felt like there was a drop-off. And I uh, I probably shouldn't have taken another running back. I shot, probably should have just gone uh, with two wide receivers and... I think that really set me back. But I also, you know, I, I said I like the Kyle Pitts pick. Part of why I like that is because he went a full round after TJ Hawkinson. I just, I don't love, generally speaking, I think like kind of the second tier of tight ends when they start getting pushed up historically tend to be not great values. And I'm worried that's what's going to happen with Hawkinson there. Mm -hmm. That is true. That that mid-tier, middle tier of of tight ends is a, is pretty bust heavy it seems consistently but i i take i look for hawkinson around 
60th overall. I, I keep having these late picks uh, in round one. So with my 5-6 turn, I'm always looking for Hawkinson. Jamie took him. This, so this is Jamie's pick, and Chris didn't really like it that much. He thought Jamie went a little early on Hawkinson. I mean, this look, was, I criticize my own picks, too. Yeah, that's fine. You know, there's, there's no picking out anyone here. I, would have ta- I probably would have taken Hawkinson. Um, I knew you would have. Yeah, two picks later. Uh, right. So Jamie actually had the ninth pick. I thought it was a little earlier. Sorry. So ninth pick of round five. I had the eleventh pick, and I I would have considered him for sure. Um. You. So yeah. All right, Jamie. What do you think about about that trend of this being a pretty bad spot for tight ends in recent years? And does that scare you on Hawkinson? It doesn't. You know. And and I think you look at what his you know first two seasons have been, and really year two, and what he showed you last year. Uh, what the offense looks like for Detroit. You know, I, I think we've talked about this enough that this receiving core is going to be terrible. And so, you know, you have an uh, uh, offense coordinator in Anthony Lynn that has shown the ability to lean on his tight ends. You have a quarterback in Jared Goff that at times has leaned on his tight ends. And I, I just look at what the, the trend has been for what these breakouts ty- breakout tight ends have shown you, and it's guys that have the opportunity to lead their team in targets. And I think Hawkins is going to be that guy. I think he's going to be the the next breakout tight end. Uh, as I've said before, when we did our tight end preview show, I think he's the fourth best tight end this season in fantasy and PPR. Um, so I take him over Mark Andrews. And so, you know, if you want to, um, you know, look at what uh, the, the tight end position is, if you can get a guy that has a chance to be a difference maker, and I think Hawkins is going to be a difference maker, don't pass that up. So could he be Evan Ingram and OJ Howard and those guys from the last couple of seasons? Sure. But I think he's better than that. I think he's in a better situation than those guys were. All right, what about worst pick in your mind, Jamie? Worst pick of this draft? Uh, worst pick? Um, I guess. So I, I, I don't know if it's the worst pick. I think, so just to go back to Chris's team, if you're going to, I think, commit to tight end, which Chris has said many times that he's going to do, I think if you're going to do that, knowing how deep receiver is, taking Michael Thomas and George Kittle is probably a bad route to go. Like, I think you want to get yourself one running back in that spot. So you could have had Chubb or Mixon or Najee Harris or Akers or, you know, whichever guy you like that went in round two. And I think that kind of sets you up in a better spot because where you took Gaskin, for example, who I think ended up being your first running back, you could have gone with Robert Woods and Amari Cooper or Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or one of those guys. And I think that's just a better build than, you know, as, as good as Michael Thomas can be. You know, I just think the the roster construction could have been a little better. So yep, no. I don't know if it's the worst pick, but maybe just the strategy wasn't exactly perfect. Yeah, my my preference is probably running back tight end to start the draft, at least in that. I, I think running back tight end running back is also viable. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm a little, like I said, I don't like picking 12th. It forces you into some situations that you don't necessarily love, necessarily love to be in and in retrospect, I think Mixon probably would have been a better pick than Michael Thomas. I'm very high on Michael Thomas. He's my number two wide receiver. Um, and yeah, Mixon and Kittle probably would have been a little bit of a better option. I, I do want one of the big three tight ends, um, especially if I'm picking in the second half of the first round. But yeah, I think getting one of the high-end running backs because wide receiver is so deep, I think that's probably... Uh, probably the better way to go because what you don't want to be doing later on in, in you know the early rounds in the third, fourth, fifth range is reaching for a starting running back just because you need a starting running back. Okay, um, that's good lesson. Good but lesson. I also think Miles Gaston could be really good. Uh, so you know if he is my number one running back, it's not ideal, but it could work out based on the usage we saw last season. 
Well, I wanted, yeah, but they're also you know the the carry on Johnson claim, yeah, uh, could be a little troubling. Not because of the player, but because of they don't yeah. seem to be done. And you know whatever that means, you know whether it's uh, a stupid veteran move that they're going to do, you know a Todd Gurley or a Le'Veon Bell or something along those lines, which they could obviously do and and just see what those guys have yeah. left in the tank, or who knows, you know with what. Uh, you know, any trades that may come down. Because I think we're going to see a little bit more movement than we typically see uh, post-June 1. You know, so whether it's guys getting cut or guys potentially being traded, a la Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, the Zach Ertz's of the world, Jameson Crowder, you know, some names that you know and some names that you may not be expecting. There could be some moves coming, and I think Miami's going to be aggressive in their running back position. It Honestly, not as someone who drafted Miles Gaston, I kind of wish it had been carry on Johnson. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, yeah, they, they put in a claim, apparently, or they were going to claim him, but the Eagles uh, had a higher priority, so that's what these guys are talking about here. But I, I want to ask you about Michael Thomas being your number two wide receiver. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams, if we had done this draft before these Aaron Rodgers rumors heated up, he wouldn't have gone 11th. I've now taken him 11th two weeks in a row in, in two separate drafts. It's a three-wide receiver, full PPR league that we're talking about here. So I took Adams as the first wide receiver off the board. The first 10 picks were nine running backs, and Travis Kelsey went eighth. You took Michael Thomas uh, as wide receiver two, 12th overall. Then you took Kittle. But then Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins, they all went in the second round. Um, Why Michael Thomas second in PPR? And then I'll ask Jamie where he has him. I think Michael Thomas, first of all, I think Michael Thomas with Jameis Winston might have as much upside as he's ever had, because I think that's going to be, you know, a similar offense in terms of how often they throw to the 2019 offense. But I think Jameis Winston, I don't know if he's a better passer than Drew Brees was at that point. I think he's better for fantasy. His willingness to take shots is going to help Michael Thomas put up more big plays and score more touchdowns, which has been an issue for him historically relative to the other elite wide receivers, but given the complete lack of other options in that passing game, I think Michael Thomas is still going to be, you know, in that Devonte Adams area in terms of target share. I think he's going to get, you know, close to 10 targets per game. We saw that even with uh, Taysom Hill in the four games he started, Michael Thomas, his pace in those four games would have been wide receiver 15, which is not great. But that was with him scoring zero touchdowns. If you gave him just that 16-game pace with six touchdowns, which would be a really low number for 150 uh, target season, he would have been wide receiver four. And so I just think there is a, a high floor, a very high ceiling with Michael Thomas. I think it's being a little underplayed, the fact that he played through. He came back from the high ankle sprain. Obviously wasn't 100% because he had to go back on IR uh, after five or six games. I just think he's really good. I think he's going. He's in as good of a situation as basically anybody in the league. And Jamie, where do you have Michael Thomas in PPR? Um, I think I have him six or seven. Uh, you know, he's he's in, in that conversation to be the best receiver again. I, I don't think anything Chris said is, is inaccurate. And it's funny because, like, if you look at his numbers the last two seasons without Breeze, he was fantastic with Teddy Bridgewater two years ago mm-hmm. when he was healthy, 100%. And then he was still very successful, as Chris alluded to, uh, with Taysom Hill. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the philosophy is. It's going to be interesting to see who the quarterback is. You know, I mean, you know, we could sit here and say Jameis is going to be good for him. But I think a big reason why 
Thomas was also so successful was because Breeze is so accurate. Jameis is obviously not that type of quarterback, you know, so there may be some more plays downfield, but there may be less catchable balls, you know, so it uh, could be a little frustrating. And then you never know how this offense is going to operate if it is Taysom Hill and all the you know creativity that a full offseason of Sean Payton using that caliber of quarterback and what things will look like. So, I mean, Thomas is still worth taking in the first two rounds. Uh, I wouldn't take him in the first round, but I do think if you are apt to take a receiver in the second round, he's going to go there. Um, I've now done multiple drafts with other analysts. He ends up going in the third round. Um, and that's PPR, you know, wow. just because running backs get pushed up and people take the three tight ends. So, you know, if you end up getting him in round three, I think that's actually a, a very good uh, – it's an incredible player to get just based on what he's shown you over the start of his career. All right, I'm just going to run through some of these uh, some of these rounds here, and let's just take a look, and we'll, of course, talk about where the rookies went. But round one, McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Barkley, uh, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. That's your top six. McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Barkley, Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Ezekiel Elliott, seven running backs, then Travis Kelsey. Austin Eckler to Jamie. Aaron Jones... Devontae Adams to me, and Michael Thomas to Chris. So seven running backs, then Kelsey, then two more running backs, Eckler and Aaron Jones, then uh, Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. That's round one. Round two, we're going to see the other two tight ends come off the board, beginning with Kittle, 13th overall, then Tyreek Hill to me. So I started. So Chris started with Michael Thomas and Kittle. I started with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. A.J. Brown, Nick Chubb to Jamie. So he started with Eckler and Chubb. This is a three-receiver PPR league. He actually started with three running backs. I already alluded to Najee Harris. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, in round three. Dan Schneier took Joe Mixon after Jamie took Chubb. So Kittle, Tyreek, A.J. Brown, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Stefan Diggs. That's the first six picks of round two. That's followed by Cam Akers, Justin Jefferson, Darren Waller, DeAndre Hopkins, Pretty normal, pretty standard stuff, at least for us. And then you get some decisions to make uh, at this point. DeAndre Swift, 11th pick of round two. Miles Sanders, 12th pick of round two. So those guys went ahead of DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley and Keenan Allen, all the quarterbacks. Um, can't really, I mean, I would have taken Najee Harris, certainly ahead of Swift, ahead of Sanders and I would take him ahead of Swift. I know people really love Swift's potential to catch 60, 70 passes this year. Get it. I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Jamie, when you look at, at round two, what stands out? Um, a lot of great players. You know, I, I think, like you said, you know, Najee Harris belongs in this group. Um, you know, it just depends on how you value these wide receivers. I, I think that, you know, just based on how deep the position is, uh, round three is probably the spot I would look for a lot of these guys as much as I love Justin Jefferson and Hopkins and uh, even Diggs, um, even A.J. Brown. You know, I, I just think that if you have an opportunity to get one of these difference makers at the running back position, knowing how quickly the position falls off um, and how deep wide receiver is, I, I just that's the route I'm going to go this year. And so I, I may miss out on some of the high-end talent at wide receiver, but you know, for me, uh, I, I just think getting one of those running backs is going to be a little bit you know, of, of a difference for your roster. So it, I probably personal preference. Um, but I mean, look, these are all stars, you know, that's the reason they go in the well, first two rounds. You but, can make a case that Miles Sanders shouldn't be around two pick at this point, but yeah, everybody else for the most part belongs there. Yeah. But okay. So like, what's the cutoff at running back for you where you're, you, you know, Joe Mixon, 
I, right? I mean, I'm pretty pretty excited about Joe Mixon, but I was, you know, it's fairly excited about him last year. I thought he was super safe. He really stunk. And he had one huge game, and he kind of stunk after that. So would you take Joe Mixon over Stefan Diggs? Because that's what happened. It went, you took Chubb, and then Mixon, and then Diggs went. Stefan Diggs led the NFL I, I, in yards. I would personally, you know, just because, again, I, I think if you get what he can become, then that's better what Diggs is just based on the standpoint of what you may be getting at wide receiver. Just, again, you know, it, you have to extend it a little bit further than just the round two guys because once you get into rounds four, five, and six, those are still very good wide receivers. They don't have the ceiling that those other guys have shown you, and I get that. They're not going to be A.J. Brown or Stephon Diggs or, or those other guys. But when you start to talk about, you know, Amari Cooper and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and D.J. Moore and Adam Thielen and C.D. Lamb and Tyler Lockett, you know, if you pair those guys with what those running backs can become – then I think you're in better shape. Now, again, those running backs have to become that. That's the gamble you're taking. But look at and the so, running backs in that ground. I mean, the running backs in that round are Dobbins, Jacobs, Travis Etienne, David Montgomery. You know, so would you rather have Joe Mixon and Amari Cooper or Stefan Diggs and Travis Etienne? I'd rather have Joe Mixon and Amari Cooper. I mean, and that's essentially what I did. I took Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper. So, um, for, for me, that's just, I think, a, a better way to go. Like, a lot of my drafts so far have been, I throw my first, you know, three or four picks at running back, and then I just go crazy at wide receiver. And so um, probably the, the more normal route is to go the other way and take one running back and then, you know, go heavy wide receiver in your first three or four picks and then throw a lot of capital at running back. And that, that certainly has worked, and it's worked for me as well. I just look at what these workhorse running backs have the potential to do if they hit. And we know the success rate is not that great, but it's just a matter of uh, the way I see how deep wide receiver is. That's just the, the the build I've been typically doing so far. And one thing I'm really interested to see this season is what the longer schedule and the wider amount of time between bye weeks is going to do for running backs. Um, we've got bye weeks starting in week six, I believe this year, and going through week 14, which not super helpful from the NFL for fantasy playoff purposes if you wanted to add a, a week to your fantasy playoffs or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, so we're going to have four teams. I think it's the Dolphins, Colts, Patriots, and Eagles who play 13 games in a row to start the season. So if, you know, one of those running backs, if Jonathan Taylor gets a nagging ankle injury in week four, he's not going to have an opportunity to rest it for a long time. I'm very interested to see what that does to these expected workhorse running backs because I do think this year more than any year I can remember there are more running backs that I expect to have both a heavy passing game usage and the lead running back role um, I think you can probably go 21 deep at least uh, before you start running out of guys who I feel confident will have a, a very productive off role in their offense so I think that's like the Diggs ETN side probably has more upside than Mixon and Cooper. Just because if ETN does become that guy, I think he's got huge upside. But I think I agree with Jamie that I'd rather have the Mixon and whoever the you know 16th best wide receiver would be, or whatever you're you're talking about there, whoever your preference is. Yeah, I. I just don't know that I could go three running backs. Jamie, you're doing that a lot. And look, if Najee Harris was my third round pick, I would absolutely do it. Yeah. But 
if Clyde Edwards either on my third round pick, I'm, I, I, I could get on board with that. I, <laughs> I think well, I mean, have I, a huge I just, season. I'll, I'll but tell you how know. it played out for me because you know I, I don't necessarily intend to do it because I, I just think we're going to see more running backs get pushed up. It's just kind of the way that's fallen to me, where one of my top fifteen guys has kind of landed in my lap every time. And and I'll just you know give you another example of this. Um, I just did a magazine draft recently with, with a bunch of other analysts. My first two picks were almost identical. I went Austin Eckler and, and Joe Mixon in that draft. I went Eckler and, and Chubb in this draft. In the third round, I was thinking, okay, let's see who's going to fall to me because typically it, the guys that are in that range are Clyde Edwards, Larry, and Antonio Gibson. I've taken a lot of those two guys, for example, because they fall to round three. They were gone. You know who my third round pick was in that draft? Michael Thomas. That's much better than taking the, the third running back there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I started that team, Eckler, Mixon, Thomas, Julio Jones. There's no that. flaw. <laughs> there's no flaw. It's great. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, I, I certainly foresee a problem because Eckler didn't stay healthy last year. Mixon didn't stay healthy last year. So one of those guys is probably going to be a disappointment. But to go that route is is certainly safer. I just look at it because I know the way that it's it's fallen. That if you tell me that I can get Amari Cooper in round four. I have no problem going with three running backs to start, even in a three-receiver league. Now, so, the difference for me in this draft is taking Hawkinson because yeah. that's not something that I've done a lot. So, okay, that was my question. Do, do you end up uh, – you have Tom Brady in this league as well. Do you find yourself out on the top seven or whatever quarterbacks, you know, the the mobile guys? What do you end up doing at quarterback? I is mean, that typically Adam, we've done this show enough uh, to know that you could ask me this question in 2021 or 2014, and I would give you the same answer. I don't care. You know, so I'm not I'm not being aggressive with the top seven quarterbacks for the most part. You know, so if if one falls to me, I will certainly take it. But, you know, I, I don't see much uh, much of a difference in um, trying to get Russell Wilson in round six or seven as opposed to Tom Brady in round 11 or 12. As opposed yeah. to the, the difference, I guess, would be is that I'll take the four players in between that I can get. And that is a big difference for me because I and Chris, Chris and I had the same quarterback strategy in this draft, which was he took Kyler Murray 60th overall, which pissed me off because I was like, hmm, do I take Kyler Murray 59th? And now I'm going to wait. I'm going to get him on my next pick. And then whatever, Chris took him. So I took Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, with my next pick, 60, uh, 62nd overall. So we both were targeting quarterback there and, and took a quarterback there. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you don't want to do that, and you know, if you're Jamie, you can take Cortland Sutton, and you can take T.J. Hawkinson in that range. Juju Smith-Schuster went in that range. Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith. Um, these are guys that you can, you know. But but I miss out usually because I'm looking at tight end and quarterback really there. I, I'm, I, I'm I will say, I regret it. I regret going Kyler Murray there. Uh, don't as regret good it. as I think he don't is. Don't regret it, Russell these, Wilson. Well, these guys I took are him so good. At the end of the fifth round, Russell Wilson went. At the end of the eighth round, Jalen Hurts went at the beginning of the 11th round. I would rather have had either of those guys, uh, you know, Hurts at the beginning of the 11th or or beginning of the 10th or Russell Wilson at the beginning of the eighth. I would rather have had either of those guys. And that was something that I kept going to every time I would come up is like, in my overall rank list, there would be one quarterback and then like 15 names crossed out before the next guy. And so obviously like Kyle Murray is going to be awesome, I think. Uh, but I, I think I would rather have waited on on a quarterback there and taken 
Cortland Sutton at the end of the fifth round or T Higgins or, you know, someone like that. And just to, you know, obviously year over year changes, but Kyler Murray was 0.75 points per game better than Tom Brady last year. They finished back to back in terms of their total points. Yeah. It's just, can Kyler Murray be the guy who was the first eight games before the shoulder? Injury? Oh, totally. I mean, obviously yeah. Kyler Murray's got a much higher ceiling, but yeah. you know, if I, I'm just looking at the, the quarterbacks, the top 12 quarterbacks last year, the number one guy was not drafted as a top 10 guy in Aaron Rodgers. Um, Tom Brady was not drafted as a number one guy at the bottom end of that. He was again, right behind Kyler Murray at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ryan Tannehill was nine. Justin Herbert was 10, you know, so there's four quarterbacks in the top 10 that weren't drafted as top 10 guys. It happens all the time. So, you know, to to miss out on the top seven guys going in, I'm okay with that. Okay, but Jonathan Taylor was RB4. David Montgomery was RB6. James Robinson was RB8. Totally, yeah. Kareem Hunt was RB10. Yeah, so I mean, you can keep going. But it's, all, it's also, though, the, the difference between uh, Brady and, well, Lamar Jackson, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a one-point-per-game difference, and, and they're four, five spots apart in their total points. Yeah, it's a pretty good case. It's a pretty good case, especially with the two that we were the three that we talked about. I mean, Wilson and Brady and and Hertz. You know, um, I wouldn't even say especially. It's just who, a matter of who you like in that range. But Brady is so good. I don't think he's going to lose a lot of touchdowns to the running backs. I mean, their running game isn't going to be special. I really don't think it's. You know, I know who they have, and these guys aren't special. So they're loaded, and he's Brady. I, yeah, and it's Bruce Arians. It's probably it's. It's a really compelling case. It's a really compelling case. The three case. quarterbacks that I end up taking a lot of are, are Brady, Burrow, and Hurts. And they all have their cases for and against. You know, I mean, one guy's going to be 44, one guy's coming off a torn ACL, one guy's got a three-game sample size. But, you know, you saw what all three of them can become. Obviously, Brady's doing it for a billion years. But, um, you know, Hurts could be the first 4,000, 1,000 guy. And Burrow could lead the NFL in pass attempts, which will end up helping his points per game. Or even, I mean, you look lower than that. Like Matt Ryan went in the 13th round. Right. I think he could have a, a similar season to what Brady did last year. You know, like I mm. I just Man. think there's, yeah, it, it's like I want a difference maker at quarterback, but the price I paid, I, I think, I mean, Aaron Rodgers went in the 11th. <laughs> um, well, he's, he's not going to go that far yeah. if he's starting for the Packers. He's probably two rounds earlier. I mean, but honestly, like if, for the Broncos, you know, if like, he gets traded anywhere, I, the, the Broncos might be an even better situation. Yeah. Very fair. Um, um, okay, let, let me take a break here. Uh, when we come I back, guess I'd say once his situation is settled, he's going to sure. round early. Once we come, uh, when we come back, we will give you rounds three and four. Take a look at how those unfolded. We'll tell you where the rookies went. We will get the fantasy cops back in action to go through your league disputes. And we will read your emails and your Apple podcast questions. That's all coming up on Fantasy Football Today. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. And we are back. Welcome back, everybody. We have round three. Remember, we got Fantasy Cops. We got Apple Podcast questions. We got emails coming up. So stay tuned. Round three, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Julio Jones going ahead of Calvin Ridley. That was interesting. But Allen, Metcalf, Julio, Patrick Mahomes, fourth pick of round three, first quarterback off the board. Calvin Ridley, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Terry McLaurin, Najee Harris, hate you, Jamie, Allen Robinson, Chris Carson, and Miles Gaskin. Chris, quick thoughts on round three? Uh, not really a bad pick in the bunch. There's a lot of good players out there. I, I think Julio oh, over I Calvin Ridley. I disagree so hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that one's that's harder. A bad pick. Well, to justify, yeah. but it's, it's a, I mean, I think as much pick. as like Julio struggled last year to stay healthy, but when he was on the field, he was a monster. I mean, he you know if you take away, he averaged 85.6 yards per game, and that's without taking away the two or three games where he basically didn't play. Um, so yeah, like I, I think he was on pace for 1600 yards without the, before the injuries last year, he was still a hugely impactful player. You saw how much worse Matt Ryan played without him last year. I still have him as a top 10 wide receiver. I just have him nine points projected behind Calvin Ridley. So it's not a huge gap there. I, I don't love the last three picks of this round. And two of those were ours, me and Chris. Allen Robinson, Chris Carson, Miles Gaskin. I don't really love them, Jamie. Why? Well, I felt like I had to take Carson. I, I really needed a running back. I went Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, which was just... I, I didn't know that I was going to go receiver-receiver, but to take the top two receivers, arguably, it was it was too exciting to pass up. You know, Carson, you, I don't know... If he's who he is, if he is who he has been, you're talking about three straight seasons as a top 15 running back, um, then that's a great, that's a fine pick. But I don't love Gaskin there for the reasons we were talking about. I, I think Chris didn't love Gaskin there. Adam, I would have been thrilled if you hadn't taken Chris Carson. Yeah, that would have been your pick. I think there's I think there's a drop-off. I have Chris Carson ahead of Robinson, and I think there's kind of a drop-off there. Allen Robinson scares me because uh, he's he's not... Great. First of all, I don't think he has top five upside, but he's very safe because he should get 150 to 160 targets. But ju- the Justin Fields factor, I don't think is good for him, honestly. Uh, so because he's going to run, because he's going to run more. Because I would expect, I think they threw 26 touchdowns last year. Even in 17 games, I don't think Justin Fields would be on pace for 26 touchdowns. So I just don't think. I, I think he's around four pick. Yep. Um, who would I take ahead of him? That's a tough question at wide receiver, but. That's a tough question. There's there's just a drop at wide receiver probably after Terry McLaurin. I, I just think after Terry McLaurin, after Najee Harris, it just felt like these picks, maybe they weren't bad, but maybe we just approached a point in the draft where there's a tier. Yeah, I, I think it's just there's a talent drop-off there yeah. that 
you kind of can't I, do a I, lot I don't know. of battle. I mean, I, I think some of the picks in round four were still pretty good too. So they were, but um, but if good. they had been in round three, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't have liked them as much. Yeah, yeah but you all... know what though? I, I think knowing if you're going to get a receiver that's going to 150 targets, 150 plus targets, like Robinson's going to get. I, I think he's better than safe. I, I don't know if I'd put that label on him. I think he's still got upside to be. You're still getting a top 10 caliber receiver there. Maybe uh, not top five, but top 10. Okay. And the the hardest thing for me was the running backs trying to decide between the running backs. When I took Carson, I did think he was number one. But Gaskin, let's look at the running backs that went in round four. Dobbins, Jacobs, ETN, and David Montgomery. Yeah, and I think, you know, just tying in Chris's team again. You know, if you're going to go Kittle Thomas, I think maybe you should lean in running back there again, as opposed to Robert Woods. Oh, I I get that, but I, I I do have Robert Woods. Like, I think I've drafted Robert Woods every single mock draft we've done so far this off season. I just he's a let me see top twenty eight player for me. I I have really high expectations for him with Matt, Matthew Stafford. I think. Both him and Cooper Cup are being way undervalued this season. And, um, you know, he, he's actually he's a top 10 wide receiver for me. Okay. Which I know that's a hot take, but the rushing game work always kind of gets a little overlooked, but it's been there three years in a row. I think it'll continue to be there. And I, I think he's like a 90 catch, 1100 yard receiver as well. Oh, I don't think it's it's a bad pick by any yeah. stretch. I, again, it's it comes down to roster build, you know, and and just what might be better for your team. Okay, he has been Robert Woods has been 14th through eight to 18th somewhere per game, 14th through 18th, three straight seasons in PPR. Mm-hmm. So Chris has him top 10, hoping for his best season with Matthew Stafford. But even if he's 14 through 18. Um, this is 37th overall. Not not a bad pick. Okay, but Dobbins, Dobbins, Jacobs, ETN, and Montgomery. Those were the four running backs that went in round four. I took Dobbins first. Then Marone took Jacobs. Then Travis ETN went a couple picks later. And then David Montgomery was last. David Montgomery was last, and he was a top five running back last year. Yeah. He was, I think, number two in non-PPR. I think number one in PPR in his last six games. So oh, he was a beast. Yeah. Him or Derrick Henry. Uh, obviously, we know Tariq Cohen is coming back, but he still should and dominate. Carrot and, uh, and yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, how would you rank those guys, Jamie? So it was Dobbins, Jacobs, Etn, Montgomery. That's how they went. I have it: Dobbins, Etn, Montgomery, Jacobs. So, uh, to to the way you built your team, I think is fantastic. As long as Devonte Adams obviously has Aaron Rodgers, but to go Adams, Tyreek Hill. And then any combination of whatever two running backs you're going to take in this range, I think was, would have been fine. Um, ETN is, is the wild card because he could be better than these guys by a lot. And, you know, if he's anything they showed you in college, if he's the type of, you know, air back that he could be, you know, as a pass catcher, as long as he doesn't get ruined by James Robinson and whatever stupid moves they do with Carlos Hyde, he could be an absolute monster. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think ETN you could say is better than, than all these guys could have been around three pick, you know, just looking at the start of the, the group of these backs that we're talking about. But um, I think Dobbins is, you know, I, I've said this time and again, he's not going to catch a lot of passes, but uh, he can easily be a top 15 running back based on what the Ravens have done with their lead running back over the last two seasons with Lamar Jackson. So he certainly fits that mold. He did it last year, even without catching a lot of passes, he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. So he is Derek Henry and Nick Chubb light in terms of what he does running the ball and what he should be able to do running the ball. So, 
all these guys have the chance to still be good. I just put Jacobs and Montgomery toward the back end of it, looking at the competition that they have and obviously some offensive line concerns for both teams. Who scores more touchdowns this year, Travis Etienne or Tim Tebow? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you can place bets now on all the unders for Tim Tebow, that's the right way to go. You know what? The over is 12 and a half. What? What is that? Yards. Yards. Is that oh, total like yards that, or receiving yards? Total yards, yeah. I don't think I he's like gonna. He's not gonna make the team. I haven't seen twelve and a half total yards. He's not gonna make the team, is he? I mean, he'll make sure. the practice squad. Yeah, I. Yeah, apparently there's uh, not. Some people are not happy about this in Jacksonville. I, I, I will I'm, say about Travis Etienne. <laughs> drink. You're gonna have to wait. I think is the key. Like, I, I actually think he could be useful early on as like a. You're hoping for like a Naheem Hines type where he's getting enough targets that he's useful as a PPR back, even though he won't be consistent week to week. Early on. Hines and the Jaguars uh, front office needs to be fired. Oh, he just, be- oh, <laughs> he just I met think early. The Jaguars early. front office, besides drafting Trevor Lawrence, has done a lot of dumb things this uh, offseason. And I'm very skeptical that this uh, that this Urban Meyer experiment is going to work. It feels very John Gruden to me right now. I, Gruden's but, been better than Gruden's actually not been that bad. I I gotta say because I felt I mean, well, the I drafting thought, has been. Hold on, oh hold the drafting, like, the, so the Mayock experiment. Jeff Fisher is like a laughing stock, and John Gruden's been Jeff Fisher so far. Uh, but John Gruden really doesn't have that good of a team. Je- Jeff Fisher, uh, I okay. I thought Gruden. We're four I thought, years in, Adam. I thought Gruden was gonna be awful. And they've actually been surprisingly competitive. Well, I mean, they have improved their win total each of the last three seasons. That he's we're four there. years in, and they peaked at were they eight and eight last year or seven and they nine? They went four and twelve, seven and nine, eight and eight in three seasons. Like yeah, like that's, yeah, but it's, four it's, years I, in. I, I this think is it's his more team. On, I think it's more on Mayock. Adam, honestly, this they, is they, his they, team. Every draft they they miss. It's they not on it. Mayock, Adam. You, you you hear things from people in the organization. John Gruden. Okay, then the, he's, the scouts the scouts come and they put they put reports on his desk, and he goes. I don't care. <laughs> then he's bad. Then he's bad. They he's bad at, at uh, drafting. There's no. They have not drafted well. But he, he does. I think a pretty good job with his team. Um, but yeah, I'm a little nervous about Irvin Meyer too. All right, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to hear your thoughts, uh, but I I do need to get to a lot of other content. So let's go over the rookies and let's just see where they went and if it was good value. Najee Harris going 33rd overall was obviously great value. Um, the second rookie off the board was Jamar Chase. Let me just get up my list here. And he went. So Okay. Sorry. The second where, rookie overall? Am I wrong? No, ETN went before Chase. Oh, we were, I mean, we were literally just talking about Travis ETN. Okay, so that was a fine range for ETN, right? Round four? Yep. Yeah. Okay. We covered those two. I have a whole list somewhere in my notes, and I, and I can't find it. So them. round five was Chase. when Chase, Chase and Javante Williams went off the board. Those are the next two rookies. Here we go. Uh, okay. You took Williams. You took him ahead of Gordon. Um, that was obviously something of interest. Why'd you do that? Right. I took Javante Williams in round five. Um, I don't – I'm going to be really honest with you. This is going to change. It's going to depend on the reports. It's going to depend on a lot of things. I am just not feeling good about Melvin Gordon right now. And shockingly, Melvin Gordon was on the board two full rounds later, and I ended up taking both of them. So I took Javante Williams late round five and Melvin Gordon late round seven. I I feel like uh, it's going to take a little while, but I feel like Javante Williams has the chance to just kind of take over that backfield, at, at least uh, the rushing portion of it. And I like him better than Melvin Gordon right now, but I'm I'm a little wishy-washy on that. I just don't know how I'm going to end up feeling. It's going to depend on a lot of things. Right now, I, I've got Williams ahead of Gordon. 
it was it was really surprising how far he fell because Gordon, I mean yeah. I, I still would take Gordon over Williams. I, I I certainly understand your your sentiment about you know Williams taking over the job, but he still has to prove it. Um, it just to see him go in round eight was ridiculous. Yeah, when did Mark Ingram go last year? I don't even Congrats. remember. Yeah. He was probably like a fifth round. Probably in a similar spot. Did he go ahead End of Dobbins? Round four, round five. Right, so he went ahead of Dobbins, right? Yes. He so went ahead of Dobbins. End just, of the draft season, Dobbins I, was right there with him. That's, what, that's remember, kind of where I'm at. Remember how good Mark Ingram was in 2019. Yeah, top 10 running back. I, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I feel like he will eventually overtake. But Gordon was 27. Mark Ingram was 29. Yeah, and Gordon, yeah, I know. Um I just feel like he'll eventually overtake him. It's an upside play. I'll just say that it's an upside play. Jamar well, Chase. Favorite, get both. Yeah, that that worked. Um, Jamar Chase going in. Bet- so it was it was Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay, and Jamar Chase. Does that feel like yeah, Chase went too soon? Too soon. Well, I mean, he went ahead of Cooper Cup. That's ridiculous, as Chris just alluded to. Yeah. I would still take Juju Smith-Schuster over him. Um, there are some running backs that you can make a case for that you know could still go ahead of. Jamar Chase. And then you even go to round six. Like, I would take Cortland Sutton over him. Um, yeah, that's the one that stands out. Oh, no, out I'm sorry. I wouldn't take Cortland Sutton over him. But that, it's it's in the conversation. Okay, so then round six, we did see Devontae Smith. And it was Brandon Ayuk, Sutton, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, Chase Claypool. A run on wide receivers. Five picks in a row. Ayuk, Sutton, Higgins, Devontae Smith, Chase Claypool. Chris, does that feel like where Devontae Smith should go? Not for me. I have Devontae Smith. My my. I wrote about this in the newsletter uh, on Monday. My expectations for this rookie class are relatively low. Um, I, I don't think it's nearly as talented of a rookie class as the one we had last year. Um, and I think they're kind of benefiting from how good the one last year was. So no, I Devontae Smith, I just... I'm not 100% sure he's going to be the number one. I don't think he's going to be the number one target. If Zach Ertz is still there, he might be the number three target. I'm not. I would assume he's going to be ahead of Jalen Rager, but I'm not 100% sure on that either. And I'm just not sure it's going to be a great passing game. Oh, so my I God. Just, he is going to be so much better than Jalen Rager. Yeah, he's like, the number he, one he target. Is the, I, I think he's so. going to lead the team sure. in targets. number one receiver. He may mile. not be the number one target. Dallas Goddard's going to probably lead the team in targets, which is again. I'll, you know, I'll take Devontae Smith. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. But I, I think, you know, uh, Chris is right that the class is not good, but the high-end guys are going to be really good, and they're going to be very comparable to the high-end guys from a year ago. Now, Devontae Smith is not going to be Justin Jefferson, but he could certainly be what CeeDee Lamb would have been over 16 games with Dak Prescott. What Brandon Ayuk was in those you know six games that he closed the season when he was healthy. You know He missed some time over those six games, but he was special. Uh, I think that's what you look at with Chase and with Smith. Now, they have to play to that level, obviously, but... Um, this is this is the right range for him. He should be in the conversation with you know Higgins and Claypool and and Curtis Samuel and Brandon Cooks and the guys that he went around. And and you could clearly make cases for and against for all those other guys. I I certainly get it. But anytime you have an opportunity to get a player who's going to get maybe 120 plus targets, which I think Devontae Smith has a chance to do, that's not a bad pick. So just you know, again, I'll, I'll tie in my own team because I took Sutton. Um, I was looking at it at uh, Higgins, Sutton. Um, Smith and who's the other one? Uh, uh, Claypool, Ayuk. No, I wouldn't take Ayuk. Was gone, 
So oh. um, it was it was Sutton, Samuel. Hagen, Smith, and um, Tyler Boyd, who I have back to back with Higgins. Now um, I would have taken Higgins over him, but I was like, who's who's got the chance to be the best? Who's got the high ceiling of this group? And I still think it's Sutton. And and again, it's also playing the what if Aaron Rodgers is their card. So that's why I I I took Sutton. Um, but any of these guys, you know, could certainly be prolific pass catchers, you know, and, and for Sutton and Smith in particular, they should be the number one receivers on their team. Would you guys take Devontae Smith or Curtis Samuel? Smith uh, it's Curtis Samuel for me. I actually, I have Devontae Smith as a number four wide receiver. Okay. Okay. Uh, next rookie was Kyle Pitts also in this round in round six. So he went around after Hawkinson and he went before Dallas Goddard. We already talked about that kind of earlier, but you'll see anywhere You'll see round six. You'll see round five. In, in a draft we did last week, Kyle Pitts went in round five. So Pitts uh, in round six, late in round six, and Goddard. Basically, it was like one round separating Hawkinson, round five, Pitts round six, Goddard round seven. And those are going to be the, the the trio of guys barring Zach Ertz staying in Philadelphia. In round seven, we had Michael Carter. And he, let's see who surrounded Michael Carter. Kind of on a uh, now it, it was a, there was a little bit of a lull in running back, so it was Mostert and then James Conner and then about six picks and then Michael Carter, Michael Carter, excuse me, Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, <laughs> welcome back, Carter, Michael Carter, Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake to end round seven. Good, Chris. Yeah, oh, Jamie I think... took him. I'm sorry. You should I should probably have <laughs> thrown it to you, Jamie. You took Michael Carter in round seven. Yeah, um, and you know, again, this is uh, more of an upside play because I had already had three running backs. So uh, I see the downside in Gordon. I see the downside in Drake. And so, you know, if Carter is the lead running back for the Jets, which I expect him to be, and I like him better in PPR than non PPR, just based on what his size is. Um, so, you know, if he hits, then my running back core is even more enhanced. If he fails, it's not a you know any any problem. Uh, the only thing that you could say is, did I pass on any wide receivers? T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman were the next two guys that went off the board because I didn't have a third receiver at that point. So uh, I ended up with Jalen Waddle. I'm, I'm perfectly fine taking Waddle over the two Colts guys. Okay, uh, next rookie was Jalen Waddle in round eight and Trey Sermon in round eight. So Jalen Waddle went after T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman. Those were back-to-back picks by Chris and me. Chris took Hilton, I took Pittman. And then it was Jalen Waddle and Jarvis Landry. So, Chris, you did decide to take Hilton over Waddle. I took Pittman over Waddle. Jamie took Waddle. So, about that. Uh, Chris, go ahead. What did you think about this stretch? Yeah, Waddle is one of the rookies who I, when I did my projections, he was one of the guys I definitely had to move up because I don't have him projected very high. Um, And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think I could see a scenario where he has a Henry Ruggs-esque season. I think he'll be better than Henry Ruggs because he was much more productive in college. Um, but that is not a barren receiving core. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty crowded between Fuller, Devontae Parker, and Mike Gesicki. And I, I think Jalen Waddle might be the most talented of those guys. But um, you know, that's a that's a receiving core that's got a lot of overlap in terms of skills and places that guys succeed on the field. I think. One place Waddle could really thrive is in the short and intermediate area with the other guys working deeper because they're they're all more deep target kind of guys. Um, but I, I 
I currently have him third slash fourth in the receiving hierarchy on Miami, right? You know, in the same range as Mike Kosicki. Um, so I wouldn't take him there, but I totally get the upside. You know, I, it's entirely possible he's the number two receiver for the Dolphins and has a huge year. I, I still think Will Fuller is going to be number one, but Waddle could have a, a really good year as the number two guy. Jamie, you took Waddle. Yeah, he's my, he's my favorite Dolphins receiver. I just look at the – you're already down a game for Will Fuller. And we know what his track record has been. So, you know, factor in the injury risk for what Will Fuller typically does. Um, and it's investment. You know, they decided to take Jalen Waddle sixth overall, knowing that Devontae Smith had a better college career. Um, and Will Fuller's got a one-year deal. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, just the investment and in what he will probably be, I think he's going to lead them in targets at the wide receiver spot. Um and so, you know, if, if you tell me that Will Fuller in round, what was he, five, six? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you took him, Chris. Round, round first six. pick of round six. First pick round six. And I can get Jalen Waddle in round eight. I'll do that 10 out of 10. I just, the one thing I don't see a lot of for Waddle is catches. That's the thing. And PPR, he scares me a little bit. Yeah, I just I don't see. Well, that's why he goes in this range as opposed to higher. Yeah, but like Jarvis Landry went right after him. Um, but we've seen, we, we saw what Landry was last year, you know, and it was. A little scary. He wasn't good until Beckham got hurt. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to go through the rest of the list here. You tell me if there are any great values or any really bad values here. Trey Sermon, round eight. Terrace Marshall, round nine. Rondale Moore, round 10. Kadarius Tony and Rashad Bateman and Amonra St. Brown, all in round 11. Kadarius Tony, Bateman, and Amonra St. Brown, all in round 11. Amari Rogers in round 12. Best pick. Trevor Lawrence, round 13. Chuba Hubbard, round 13. Chris likes taking Chuba Hubbard as a handcuff to McCaffrey. Elijah Moore, round 14. Kenneth Gainwell, round 14. And final round, Trey Lance in round 15 with all the DSTs. Um, anything stand out there, guys? Obviously, I, I took Rondell Moore at the first pick of the 10th, so I really like that one. Um, I just I think he... He was so productive. I mean, he only played one full season in college, which is worrisome because of the injuries, but he was so productive as a as a freshman, not rookie, freshman. Uh, over 1,200 yards, 1,400 yards, I think, total, if you include rushing. He could be such a good fit for what Cliff Kingsbury likes to do because that offense is so predicated on screens and short passes. And he... I think Dave mentioned on the draft show something like 75% of his yards came after the catch in college, which is just nuts. So I think he could be an absolute game-breaking addition for them. And I think if that Cardinals offense takes a big step forward, I think it will be because of the addition of Rondale Moore. So he could be, I think, one of the three best rookie wide receivers if he hits. Um, I was I was pissed that uh, Amon Ron St. Brown went one picked after me in round 11. I took Daryl Henderson, and I thought that uh, St. Brown might fall. Well, I would you. rather. I think I'd rather have Bateman or St. Brown over Tony I def- as a rookie. I definitely would. Yep. Um, and that's another one where it's kind of like Waddle, where I, I don't. I think Waddle's a much more talented player. I think Tony was probably a reach there, but also that's not a great passing game, but it's crowded. I don't know where he's going to settle in terms of targets. I would guess he's not any higher than third behind Barkley and. Um, Galladay, but I, I think he probably could be fifth. Yeah, I, I don't think there's really much chance for Kadarius Tony to have any consistency. You know, he could yeah. be a best ball type of player or he has some big weeks, but I just don't see how you're going to 
trust him in your lineup. You're never going to know when he has good games because he's going to have to have some big plays. So that's why I wouldn't take him. That's why I like a guy like Amari Rodgers. Of course, you know you need Amari, you need Aaron Aaron Rodgers there, but someone where you could see an Amonra St. Brown and even Rashad Bateman. I don't know how consistent Rashad Bateman could be, but Amonra St. Brown and Amari Rodgers. It's not hard to see a case where you kind of know what to expect on a week to week basis from them. Uh, that's why, yeah, I, I personally I agree with you, Chris Kadarius Tony ahead of those guys. I don't know how you feel about Amari Rogers, but I wouldn't take him ahead of St. Brown or Bateman. Um, all right, so let's do the Fantasy Cops. Thanks for listening to the draft. You can check it out. I'll put the link in the episode description. And if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not watching on YouTube, Ben Schrager put the picks up, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. So it's a good way to follow along. This is from Ben in a city near Titletown, USA. Dave's not on the show, so we will not be guessing. Dear Ron. Sure. Not Madison works. Dear Ron, Melvin, James, and Jonathan. You see why I have to pick Madison. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's probably that's probably those are Wisconsin running backs. Uh, you get the player in their drafted round for the first year and a round one for any year after that. I am in I am petitioning our league to allow for a waiver wire player to be your 16th round keeper. I may have been fortunate enough to pick up James Robinson last season, but who's counting? They are crying foul and that teams would ditch their entire teams, their entire rosters. Are they saying that teams in season, if they're like tanking, would do that? Probably. So I have this situation in one of my keeper leagues um, where what we do is the player is, if he's, Drafted and dropped and then picked up. So I'm sorry. Well, I guess let me phrase it. You can only keep players that are drafted after round eight or later or kept if they're picked up off free agency. If you drop a player that was drafted in the first seven rounds, he's not keeper eligible. Somebody else picks him up. Okay. Yep. So you get the – I'm petitioning – so I don't understand. What's their policy on waiver wire players? You get the player in their draft. So I, I guess right now they can't keep waiver wire picks. They can't can keep waiver wire picks. Yeah, that doesn't make yeah, any so sense. You should be able to so, keep waiver wire picks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you should now, it doesn't have to be round 16, but you can make it like round 10. Yeah. I, I usually play last round of the draft. And if you keep multiple, it just pushes guys up. Um, but yeah, you should be allowed to keep waiver wire players. I just do think like Christian McCaffrey last year. If somebody dropped him and somebody else picked him up, that person should obviously not be able to keep Christian McCaffrey for a final round pick because what that does is it forces the guy who has a guy on injured reserve who they drafted in the first round to keep that player the entire season and waste a bench spot. That's not fair. There's many. Yeah, you can't do that. So, all right, I think we got it here. Petition your league. You should be able to keep free agents. Figure out the proper round or waiver wire pickups, rather. Figure out the proper round, and thank you very much. Let me tell you that it is Preakness Week, so go to sportsline.com. They have the best analysts there. Um, Hammer and Hank Goldberg is giving out his favorite picks. Jody Demling offers his full rankings. Gene Menez is going to be on the Early Edge podcast, dishing out his picks and getting you up to speed on how to bet the second leg of the Triple Crown. Sportsline has you covered for everything related to Saturday's Preakness Stakes. We are, uh, let's go faster on the emails, guys. This is from mcause 17 I'm keeping A.J. Brown in the 10th and Jalen Hurts in the 16th. It's 10-team and it's PPR. 
I acquired a number of draft picks through trades last season. What would your draft strategy be with these picks in the first four rounds? 1.2, Would it be a stretch to take... Cal- oh, these are um, not dynasty picks. These are okay. These aren't yeah. rookie picks. Yeah. Would it be a stretch to take Travis Kelsey second overall if I can get a run? If I can get running backs and wide receivers in the second and third and fourth rounds, um, McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook, and Henry will likely be kept. So he's got one point two, two point three, two point eight, two point nine, three point two, four point three, and four point nine. A lot more valuable now that I know that this, these are not dynasty rookie only picks. But the rookies are factored in, so that helps. Yeah, okay, so what would you be doing at 1.2? Let's start with that. He's got Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown already. Uh, I mean, I, mean, I have... Yeah. I think you gotta I look Kelsey is my number three player, so... Yeah, Kelsey's Kelsey Kelsey. certainly on the table, uh, without a doubt, especially since you have all those picks in the second round. But it's just a matter of what running backs are available. You know, I mean, if you're talking about... You know, he said, what, McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara are gone? And Henry. And Henry. So, you and know, Henry. you're going to go with Saquon Barkley or you're going to go with Travis Kelsey? Right. Or John Taylor. You know, if you want to, you know, think that he's going to be available, he's probably keeper. So, you know, it, if it starts to get into running back 8, 9, 10, then you clearly go Kelsey, you know. But if you're like Chris and you value him as the third best player, you know, then Kelsey's certainly the guy you look for. And then you come back in round two and see who's available to you. But, you know, you hope that guys like, Mixon, maybe, Chubb, maybe, obviously Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, you know, start to take some some swings on those guys. Travis Etienne at the back end of round two, just knowing that the keepers are gone. Yeah, I think, like, if you ended up with Kelsey and Harris, which seems pretty reasonable, um, that would be a pretty awesome start uh, at one, two, and then two, three. And see if you can be aggressive and package two of those second-round picks again in the back end of the first round. All right, I think we got to grade the trade here from a Toyota is a Toyota. 12-team, one-quarterback dynasty league. You only start one running back, one wide receiver. You start five flex spots, and it is .25 PPR. He has Mahomes and Drew Locke. He traded Justin Herbert and pick 109 for 103, and then he drafted Jamar Chase. So he traded Herbert and 109 for Jamar Chase. Grade the trade, and he has Mahomes. Herbert and 109 for Jamar Chase. I think he gave up too much. Yeah, probably. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's like a C plus, maybe a C. It's a one QB league? Yeah, yeah. So So, 109 is probably going to be somebody like Terrace Marshall, Michael Carter. Let's just see based on what our rookie draft was that we did the other day. So 109. Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman. Michael Carter. Yeah, it's not going to be Harris. It's not going to be ETN. It's not going to be Pitts. It's not going to be a top three wide receiver. So, yeah, I guess maybe it's not too much. But Yeah, I mean, because Carter could be the starter for the Jets. It's also entirely possible that he has zero value this time next year. Yeah, but I mean, Marshall draft, he, would be great. Yeah, he went, off the, he went off the board in the same range as, like, uh, Joshua Kelly last year. You know, they were, they were both third-round picks, right? Or Carter was fourth. Oh, in the NFL draft? Yeah, yeah. Carter, Carter was, was a, a fourth-round pick. He fourth was, round yeah, pick. so, like, Early the chances pick. of Michael Carter actually becoming a fantasy asset are Fifteen percent historically. Yeah, it's not where good. fourth rounders are. So yeah, but you know, if if he's considering Chase, he's probably considering receiver. So you're looking at Marshall, Moore, Tony. Well, he Bateman. starts five flexes, so it's his best available. But I I don't know. I mean, Herbert and and pick. You know what? The fact that you have Mahomes obviously helps. All right, I think it's fine. The other guys may not agree. I hope that was 
helpful. I mean, I guess Chase is going to help you play more, but okay. I think it's an A, A minus. Okay, from Connor, Dynasty Superflex startup. Who would you rather have, Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson? Murray. What'd you say, Jamie? Kyler, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Lamar. This is Dynasty. Not that it really matters. You're taking Lamar. Chris yeah. takes Murray. Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson? Jefferson. Yep. Cam Akers or Nick Chubb? Chubb. Akers. That's the hardest one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because like Ridley versus Jefferson, I, I think Ridley's probably better, but he's four years older than Justin Jefferson. I don't think Ridley's Ridley. better, but I could. I think they're both great. I, yeah, they're ranked in the same range. But yeah, he's 26. He turns 27 this year. Right. That's an Ridley easy call. You're right. Definitely older than you think. Chubb is kind of old too. He's five years. He's five years older than Justin Jefferson. Well, how much older is Chubb than Akers? I don't know. Chubb is 25, turns 26 in December. Akers is 21, turns 22 in June. So, yeah. <laughs> Three and a half years old. Oh man, that's a huge deal. I still feel like I'd take Chubb. You said Acres, Chris, and actually four and a half years older. Yeah. Oh man, I might have to go Acres. Yeah, I, I would go Acres. I just think Chubb is is I don't know what Acres will become, but I, right now Chubb, I think it's easy to say he's he's a better player. It's also a situation, you know. I mean, Chubb could price himself out of Cleveland, and then you don't know where he ends up. Whereas Acres has at least two more years with the Rams. So and- who did you take, Jamie? I took Chubb. I just think, you know, in, in this case, bird in hand almost. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. what Chubb is. Don't know what Akers could become. I love Akers. I think he's got a world of talent. But I like, really, you go back to Emory. What did Emory Hunt say? He thinks Henderson's better, you know, so. Um, I really want to see what happens with Akers in the passing game. There was like one, two-game stretch where he got like nine targets. And if he was used that way, I think that would be super good for his value. But I'm... I'm waffling on him for this year just because I don't know what the passing game role is going to be. And that's sure. also why I'm a little lower on Nick Chubb because I do know what the passing game role is going to be. And yeah. it's going to be not much. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, the Browns offensive line could be the best in the NFL. The yeah. running game is is fantastic. The coaching staff for the run game is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I it's hard to overlook what Nick Chubb is. And he's still very young and, you know, just oozing with upside still. This is our last email. Sorry to Dave and Flint and Reed. I'm not going to be able to read your emails today. This is from the banker from a town in Iowa. What do you think about a contending team renting a player for a rebuilding team for just one year? I have identified TJ Hawkinson as a good strategy. So he basically wants to get Hawkinson for one year and then give him back. Give him back to who? To the guy who's to the other team. That I mean, that's collusion. Yeah, you get yeah, I mean, this, just, no. this is the literal definition of collusion. <laughs> it's a no. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, not, look, if if he can do it. <laughs> right, like, yeah. you could trade for him and then trade him back, and that would be, but, like, just literally, I will take him for one year. No, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a trade. Like it, is, it's a trade. He's going to give something up. It's got to be a fair trade going both ways. Right. The, the problem is, is that he's buying him before he potentially breaks out. And so the value going back the other way at the end of this is probably not going to be what you're expecting or hoping to get because you're going to have to give up more. And then the other side of it is if he flops, which he could, 
then you know what are you getting back in return? It's kind of an interesting concept. I, I'm never we get this question a lot, but it's usually in season. It's usually well, I I made a trade and I agreed to give this player back after another week. I needed someone for my bye week, so I traded for this guy and I agreed to trade him back. You know, reverse the trade a week later. And I always say no. That's just no. That's obvious okay. collusion. Well, but if the other team is benefiting from it, you know, then you could make the case that hey, it's just it, it's fine. Both teams fill the need for one week. And then they retrade it. I think it's kind of shady, but it's, I don't know. I mean, there's something to this where one week versus one year though. It's right. I don't know what's better. So you take Hawkinson and you give up, let's say you, you give up, oh gosh, uh, Jarvis Landry this year for TJ Hawkinson or something, or Tyler Boyd for TJ Hawkinson. I don't, I don't know. And then you're, you're gambling big time on what their values are going to be. It's almost like option trading or something like that. Well, yeah. Like if so it is, I will trade you, we will make this trade and then we will discuss a trade going back the other way, then okay. But if it's literally just what you give me, I will give you back next year. That is obviously collusion. Yeah, right. So if it's, you know, I'm going to give you a, a second round rookie only pick for TJ Hawkinson now, let's say 203. And then if he breaks out, I'm definitely giving him back to you, but you got to give me 103. You know, like that's, yeah. No, so I don't know. A collusion to me is when two teams work together for the benefit of one team. That's not necessarily what this is. That's, well, sure it is. No. You could yeah, say, it's for the benefit of one team this year. Yeah, I... All right, so so you're telling me that if you're in a dynasty league and you see these Team A and Team B have agreed to trade these two players and then exchange them in 2022, you're like, no, that, that can't happen? But, it, it, you know... it. If if let's just say that the team with Hawkinson has the the third pick in the rookie draft, right? And they're committed to taking Kyle Pitts. So they have no need for TJ Hawkinson, right? Yep. And they trade Hawkinson for 1.12 because the manager with 112 doesn't have a tight end. So they get Hawkinson at 112. And then next year, that manager that got the draft pick and gave up Hawkinson has acquired other draft picks because they're rebuilding, comes back next year and has a team that's ready to compete. But Pitts didn't work out. Or it's a you know, chance you could start both tight ends as a flex. So now you're trading Hawkinson back, but Hawkinson blew up because they had the agreement in place that no matter what happens, you're giving me Hawkinson back. Mm-hmm. So, so now that owner has to give up what? So you tie, you say, okay, if TJ Hawkinson reaches these benchmarks... Then you have to give me uh, an additional first round pick. A future incentives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, this is cool. I think you could. I, I just like just make trades. Like this, 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 this is, is where it becomes collusion. Though. It's just like if you're making a trade, it shouldn't be contingent on something else. Like that's where it becomes collusion. It's two teams agreeing we will do this when it benefits you and then do this thing again. Like it's no, all right, but you want to make a fair trade. You're gambling. You want to make a fair trade. It doesn't really matter if it benefits both teams. It's still collusion. Like it's still two teams. Wait, hold on. Let me, let me coming together to make an agreement. Let me throw this at you. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's take Hawkinson for pick one twelve. Okay. I give you Hawkinson. You give me pick one twelve. next year. I'm getting Hawkinson back. But if TJ Hawkinson um, reaches certain benchmarks or finishes, you know, with an X amount of fantasy points. I get Hawkinson back, but you get 
another pick, like another first-round pick. If he doesn't reach those benchmarks, then you give me something, a second-round picker. So now you're you're trying to gamble on how you feel Hawkins is going to do this year, and you're trying to make. I think this. I think this has legs. I just so think about it from the perspective of a commissioner. What if one of those guys just doesn't agree? To- is getting back Hawkinson plus something if he fails? Yes. And the person that's getting Hawkinson is either giving Hawkinson back for nothing. Just a, just a straight up draft pick. I don't know. I confused myself in the process. So just but think about it from the perspective there. of the commissioner. What if the guy who's trading Hawkinson? What if Hawkinson has eleven hundred yards and ten touchdowns becomes the next Travis Kelsey? Uh huh. And we come back next year, and he's like, "I'm not going to make that trade. Two guys still got to hit the same button." It's no, 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 no. It's in writing, Chris. It's in writing. It's agreed upon. You make it in writing, and it's exactly right. Yeah, I would not allow this. If he has a huge season, then you get him back, and you don't get any extra compensation. If he has a bad season, then you get him back, and you do get extra compensation. I don't know. You know what? Let's let's take the weekend to think about it. Just don't do it. Or that. That'll work, too. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Jamie. Happy birthday to Ben. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week on Fantasy Football Today.